Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Edwin Porras, doctor of physical therapy, medical analyst at fantasypoints.com. Gracias por tus oídos. Thanks again for tuning in. The Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast, the number one podcast hosted by the son of two Mexican immigrants who happens to be a physical therapist, number one on the charts, number one in your hearts. It's been a day. It's been a week. There are injuries. There are people to discuss. I'm going to try to keep it as short and brief as possible. I'm recording this on Friday night. Understand that not all of the short-term IRs and questionables and doubtfuls and game-time decisions have been announced. In fact, George Kittle and the entire San Francisco 49ers injury report hasn't been updated today, so we'll try to get a little bit into that without the information at hand. First, I want to hit on Antonio Gibson and Dalvin Cook. Then I want to get into the Denver backfield situation that I'd like to discuss briefly. After that, we'll talk about a few wide receivers, including Curtis Samuel, Chase Claypool, and DK Metcalf, who people seem to be worried about. Then I want to go through some tentative projected return dates in addition to the mailbag. So let's get to it. Remember that you can go to fantasypoints.com, go to the injury section, and click on my week four injury report to get all of the dudes that are listed in there. These are nowhere near all of the guys. These are just a handful of guys. I do want you to go to the site and read that. And in between now and Sunday, make sure you continuously check the injury tracker. Go to fantasypoints.com, which is free. Go to the research and news tab down to the injury insights, and you will find an updated version by Saturday. Saturday is when that will be updated. Friday and Saturday morning, are for the injury report. Let's start with Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson, pretty straightforward. Ron Rivera came out and said that he did get kicked in the shin. So that could mean a handful of different things. It either means that he got a bruise or he got cleated. So that might've caused some sort of laceration, a cut, a deep cut, something like that, that shouldn't necessarily keep him out, even though he was limited in practice. This should be something that he can sort of tape up and play through so don't be too concerned about Antonio Gibson the next guy I want to talk about Dalvin Cook is limited because of a high ankle sprain that he sustained in week two he didn't play in week three and he's been limited all week in practice for week four I've mentioned this time after time especially with Jerry Judy but the average missed time for a high ankle sprain is two weeks the mode is three weeks that's based on my own research and skill players and academic literature that I will include in the show notes. So there is a chance that Dalvin Cook misses week four, even though he was limited all week. What I'm trying to get across here is that he has a chance to play, but it is not a slam dunk. And if he does play, his ceiling is capped. Obviously, Dalvin Cook's ceiling is bigger than most players' ceiling. But understand that he's going to be limited because this is a really tough injury to battle from, even if it's just a grade one. So don't expect a ceiling Dalvin Cook That's not necessarily the most likely scenario, although I've been wrong in the past. So if you've been following me for any amount of time, you know that I'm not one to give hot takes. However, I do have a bit of a warm, lukewarm microwave take about the Denver backfield. And basically what that take is, not based in any sort of data, not based in anything very specific, but I do want to mention Melvin Gordon's been limited with ribs and a lower leg injury. In fact, he was limited all week. So he's got two different things going on, and that could open the door for Javante Williams. What I'm not saying is that this is Javante Williams' breakout season. What I'm not saying is slam dunk, play Javante Williams in all your cash games. What I'm saying is that if we expect Javante Williams to take over this backfield, and I think most people do, 
And if we expect it to be after the first quarter or so of the season, maybe halfway through the season, why wouldn't it be when his backfield mate is struggling with a couple of injuries that might limit the amount of contact that he wants to take? What if this is the week that he finally overtakes the backfield, even at a 60-40 split? What if Melvin Gordon gets hit in the ribs and gets knocked out? Again, this is a bit of a lukewarm take because I don't have a lot of substantiated evidence to prove it'll happen, but at some point we do expect this to happen, and if we're going to pick and choose our spots to use Javante Williams, for example, in large tournament plays, it might as well be when Melvin Gordon's limited all week in practice with two different injuries. So that's what I wanted to mention about the Denver backfield. Moving on to wide receivers, this is the week that Curtis Samuel will make his debut for the Washington football team. I would temper expectations, first of all, because he just hasn't been able to get integrated into the offense as he's usually just rehabbing, or he has been rehabbing. And he's highly volatile because he's tried to come back from this two different times since June. So this is a highly volatile situation. This could end up being, on a worst-case scenario, a 2019 Deshaun Jackson situation. But that's the floor. Understand I'm not saying that's what I expect, but that's the floor. I think the middle case scenario here is he plays a decent amount of snaps, he might flash, and ultimately doesn't really get fully unleashed until week five or six. On Wednesday, Chase Claypool was a limited participant in practice. Then on Friday, he was a do not practice. This is due to a hamstring strain that he picked up at some point. This is not great. This is not ideal. Hamstring strains are sticky. They're icky. We don't know what grade this is. It could be a grade one, could be a grade three. It could be just stiffness, and they'll plan to play him on Sunday, although I highly doubt that's the case. I think Claypool misses this week, and the absolute worst-case scenario, again, to paint the floor, I'm not necessarily saying this is my expectation, but to paint the floor, Chase Claypool could be placed on the IR because these injuries can lead to about two to four weeks of missed time. Watch for Claypool and the Pittsburgh Steelers and what moves they're going to make on Saturday. If they don't place him on the short-term IR by Saturday, that that's pretty good news. But until then, don't plan on Claypool being out there for week four. And if he is, he's highly volatile. The last receiver I want to talk about is DK Metcalf. He's been banged up for most of the 2021 season. Now he's on the injury report and was limited with a foot issue. I wouldn't be too concerned yet. He's playing his normal amount of snaps. He's running his normal amount of routes. He just seems to be a little bit more banged up. So I wouldn't be too concerned about DK Metcalf just yet, but it is something to just keep an eye on. The last specific dude I want to talk about is George Kittle. Like I mentioned at the beginning, the 49ers to this point have not published their most up-to-date injury report, which leaves a lot of players like Elijah Mitchell, George Kittle sort of up in the air. So let's focus on George Kittle specifically. Obviously, this calf issue sounds like a strain, is a much bigger issue than Kyle Shanahan wanted to let on in the first place. Kittle hasn't practiced all week, and now he's being called a game-time decision. If this is a legitimate grade 2 calf strain, again, painting the floor, if this is a legitimate grade 2 calf strain, the floor for these is like a Michael Gallup, which is about a 3 or 4-week absence. This is another situation that we're going to have to monitor on Saturday to watch for short-term IR movements. I know it sounds scary, I know it doesn't seem like that's the case, and it might not be the case, but understand that this is something that could evolve into requiring a short-term IR stint, but don't bank on it. If Kittle is active, he's still highly volatile because of recurrence rates, and it's really difficult to bench him, but if you happen to have somebody else on the wire, somebody else that might be a top 10 option, and let's say you're favored and just need a safe floor, it might be an ideal situation 
to actually play somebody in place of George Kittle. Now, don't come back to me on Monday after George Kittle goes off for 30 points and say, when you told me to bench George Kittle. No, I'm saying in very highly specific situations where you just need a floor, George Kittle is a game time decision and he does end up going. Understand the recurrence rates are high and through the roof the first week back. So you might start somebody else. That's not everybody. In fact, that's not most people, but it's something to at least consider. Before we get into the tentative return players, I want to remind you to go to fantasypoints.com, read my injury report, my week four injury report. That's going to talk about AJ Brown, Julio Jones, Sterling Shepard, Daryl Henderson that are going to be fully broken down in that article. So now let's talk about a few return dates. The first one I wanted to mention here was Rashad Bateman. According to Sarah Ellison, we don't expect Rashad Bateman to be back this week. In fact, it's going to be about 52 days or so status post groin surgery on Sunday. The average return time for these is about 58 days. So give it about another week and we could see Rashad Bateman almost fully unleashed in week five. These are really good surgeries. They tend to stick and do a good job. So I wouldn't be too concerned with his long-term outcome. The next guy that's really difficult to pin is, of course, Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell took, took a hit to the neck and the shoulder in week two. Since then, Kyle Shanahan has told us that it's, quote, a little bit more than a stinger. That tells me, at least my interpretation of that, is that it is a nerve issue, but it's more significant than a transient compression that goes away after an hour, obviously. So he might have some numbness, tingling, burning weakness in that shoulder and arm that has not resolved. Since this is a chronic issue for him at this point, since he has a history of stingers it's going to be hard for him to come back from this and even though he's doubtful for week four it's difficult to see him in week five simply because these are really volatile volatile injuries nerves are nasty they take a long time to recover and i just simply wouldn't rely on him being back quite yet this is a volatile situation the last guy i want to talk about in terms of tentative return dates is jerry judy Here, i'm just going to read you what i wrote because this is really starting to bother me a little bit i'll be honest uh, with the timelines when i post these tentative updates i've gotten a lot of well jerry judy should be out until week 12 or week 13 or some crazy outlandish numbers i'm just going to read what i wrote about jerry judy in this injury report for week four jerry judy's tentative return date is week five or six i said listen the average amount of time missed for high ankle sprains based on academic literature and my own research on skill players is two weeks the mode is three weeks since 2016 only 13% of these high ankle sprains have resulted in six weeks or more of missed time. Further, the reports from Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter are that this is going to be a four to six week absence. Regardless of how severe the injury appeared to be on video, all signs point to week seven being the absolute worst case scenario for Jerry Judy. Do I expect Judy to be back in full force and catching bombs without any hesitation by week five? No. Do I think Jerry Judy could get in some limited work in week five? Yeah. Do I think that week seven is the absolute latest he could return based on data and based on the reports? Yes. The one report I think people are hanging on to is the Ian Rappaport issue where he said, quote, I would expect closer to six weeks. Remember, Ian Rappaport has a reputation for speculating as well. Adam Schefter, he said Dak wasn't 100%. Dak is looking great to me. And that's fine. These guys are allowed to have an opinion and they do have an informed opinion. However, at the end of the day, a lot of times it's just an opinion. Ian Rappaport is not 100%. Adam Schefter is closer to 100%. But understand that these guys are not infallible and we need to use more context clues to try to understand when these players will be back. Now for the mailbag. At Gamble R. Raz asks, 
Favorite buy lows on players who have had an injury designation? That's a perfect question. I'm going to give one very specific answer, and it's going to be Jarvis Landry. If you listened to my podcast from the preseason, I talk about MCL sprains being the one injury or one of the few injuries that I do attack and try to get an upper hand on. Jarvis Landry is due to be back week six. I don't expect him to be volatile. I don't expect him to have any lingering effects. If you are struggling at receiver and need a wide receiver 2-3, I would go out and get Jarvis Landry right now. This next question is a really good question from Ferris1010. He says, odds we see Swift's groin injury cause him to miss time. Seems explosive now and they're giving him practice time off, but I remember you were a little worried in the preseason. I was worried in the preseason. I will be 100% honest. I was very nervous in the preseason. This is a chronic issue that's been going on since 2018 for him, and he's been limited in practice and still called questionable. So could this flare up? Yes. Has it flared up to this point? No. I think week four is going to be a big turning point because Dan Campbell did say he wanted to use DeAndre Swift more or that we're going to see more of DeAndre Swift. That's going to test his workload capacity. That's going to test where his body's at. And that's going to test the groin strain to see exactly how severe it is. If DeAndre Swift can get through week four and five with a bigger workload and he seems dandy. I mean, at this point, I'm just saying F it. I was DMing with Pat Corrane and I told him the same thing at this point, F it. DeAndre Swift is putting up numbers. I'm not going to let a groin strain that hasn't limited yet get in the way, especially if he can test out well in week four and five. That is it for today. Make sure you please subscribe to this podcast so that you can get it on my sporadic schedule whenever it comes through. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at FB Injury Doc and make sure to check out the week four injury report published Saturday morning and go to the Injury Insights website, which is free, the Injury Insights tab at fantasypoints.com that will give you continuous updates through Sunday. Thanks again.